Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome back to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is sales and marketing guru, Kitty Hart. And Kitty's goal is to share the power of physical experiences in transforming people and businesses and to provide inspiration and insights to her audience. Kitty, thank you so much for joining us today. We cannot wait to dive in. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So just to kind of jump right off, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got started in this industry. Sure. Thank you. So, well, I'm in Minneapolis and yet I am a South Dakota girl. I grew up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and have been, though, in Minneapolis for 30 years and have always have pretty much always been on this marketing path. Uh, I have my career has typically been in a business development role, but and so not but so everything that I know today about marketing, branding, design, experiential, it all I tie it all back to being in sales roles and working with the clients that I am selling to and and working with. So I love what I do. What I do today is big corporate event production, but it was definitely a journey to get here. And each experience just kind of added to the added to the last and and has brought me here today. So happy to have a conversation with you about this very intriguing and thriving area of marketing. Absolutely. So Kitty, you are the VP of the client brand experience with Heroic Productions. Talk to us and tell our listeners a little bit about The Hero Is You. What does that mean and what does that look like? Yeah, the the hero is our client. And we. this was a really, really important piece of our branding work. So we, we just rebranded two years ago and we've always been heroic productions, but we went through a, a visual rebrand. As we came out of the pandemic, we were a different company, much like every all companies out there. And so as we went through that branding work and we had conversations about that word hero, we always want our clients to know that that they are the hero, that when they engage with us, our job is to make sure that at the end of their event, they can say this event that we just produced was a success and they they are the they are the hero in their own story. It's not us. We don't come in and say, we're going to be your heroic production partner. It's not that. Our job is to make sure that they look good to their executives, to their company base, whoever that might be. That's what we do day in and day out. That's fantastic. So talk to us. Obviously, you're very focused on experiences, including the the value of experiential marketing and building your brand through experiences. What does that process look like? It's a really, really creative process, first of all, which is which is fun. And I think it's important for companies to, no matter how conservative your business is, you still have great opportunities to infuse creativity into 
who you are, how you talk about yourself, how you put your company and your services out there. So it starts with understanding your audience, certainly. Um, that, that's marketing 101. But then thinking about new and different and maybe surprising ways to reach them. Experiential has been around for a really long time. This isn't a new form of marketing. It actually goes back to the 1800s. It just has taken some different forms over over the evolution of the years. So, but it's ever changing. And one of the things that I think is is the most challenging for marketers today is that it becomes more and more challenging to surprise and delight people just in general, right? We've seen it all. We've experienced it all. And people always expect to be, what's new? What's next? So that's that's where the creativity comes into play. We always have to be thinking about, okay, how can we do this differently next time, each time? I love that. Stan, I know you have tons of questions for Kitty. I'll be quiet and give you a moment to jump in. You have tons of questions. I just want to say, it's really, really evident to me that you love doing this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it must be great to be able to get up in the morning and do really cool stuff like this and get paid. for. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a dream. So, you know, we're talking about, talking about this conceptually. It'd be, it'd be kind of helpful to me if you could just put, you know, fill in some gaps for me. Do you have a, could you share a couple examples without revealing any client confidences, but just examples of uh, experiential marketing that, that you guys produced that, uh, that worked in the class for happy? Sure. Yes. I will, I'll talk about two examples that are very, very different from each other. So one, our client is a big financial services company. So we would probably put them, if we're looking at a spectrum from conservative to not conservative, they're going to be on that conservative side of things. And so we do, we, we produce events for them on a yearly basis. And so the events that we do for them typically would take place in a, in a convention center or a big hotel venue where they're going to have programming over three days, maybe, where they're really focused on we're either launching a new product or it's a sales kickoff for the year or we're recognizing employees who are excelling at a specific level. Um, And so those three days are choreographed. And the clients that we work with are, they're, they're big corporate clients. So they've got event meetings and events teams And so a lot of this starts with them and they think about, okay, here's going to be, this is the agenda for these three days. Where we come in is then helping them basically create this production. What is our stage going to look like? When those speakers are on stage, where will they be? How will they be seen and heard? I I always, when people ask me what I do, I drill it down to our job is to make sure that our clients' messages are seen, heard, and felt. There's impact behind this. There's nothing worse than going to an event and sitting there and you can't hear or you're so far away and there's there are no big screens that you can't see well enough. So that's our job to make sure that every speaker is seen and heard and every transition is beautifully spaced. So there might be music in between speakers coming and going from the stages. There might be entertainment. And this is something that a lot of corporate clients will infuse into their experience bring in an amazing entertainer. We had one of our wealth advisory company. They brought in um, boys to men 
was the surprise entertainment. And, you know, so that's a situation where like, what? We're now going to get this private concert from, you know, a caliber of group like Boys to Men. Yes, those speakers and entertainers, those are, that's one way that you can really infuse something different. But so for this corporate client, it was three days of perfectly timed and choreographed content that keeps the audience members wanting to come back and sit down and take in the next session. On the flip side of that, we worked for a major beauty brand, and they took the approach of in showing, uh, in doing demonstrations with their product, they did a full-on fashion show with runway models. So again, thinking about the audience in the room, what will they engage with? What will make them light up? And what will bring energy into the room? Fashion show with models, that's the way to go. We want to think about really designing an experience that when people walk away, they're like, I can't wait to do that again next year. And I got to put this out on my social media. And who can I tell about this experience that I just had? I could talk all day on this. On these. I, I could listen all day. I could <laughs> listen to you talk about it. It's great. It is great. So a lot of our listeners are uh, our financial advisors, financial advisory firms, estate planners, estate planning firms. Uh, some real estate, uh, real estate firms. What's your, you know, what is, are there, are there things that you can do that, you know, that would be things our audience might uh, be interested in having you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, we might've touched on this a little bit as we were just getting started, but there's room for event marketing in all industries, all sizes of companies. Budgets are different, certainly, but you can look at the big events that are out there. You can look at things as big as South by Southwest and Coachella and take inspiration from those and then say, okay, how could we infuse little components of that into our experience? And so, you know, picking your venue is really important. I always suggest that if you're going to pull your team together for creative thinking, strategy sessions, a kickoff, Get people out of your normal environment. Move them into an environment that even if it's way outside your comfort zone, there, there are some, I'm going to draw a blank now on the name here in town, something Wonderland. And it is, it's a super creative space where you can bring corporate teams in and they've got mini golf and they've got interactive stations. And it's just, it's a space that just, exudes energy. And so when you bring people into an environment like that, there's probably some brain science behind this. I don't know enough about that to be able to speak in facts about it, but there's got to be something that happens to your brain that just breaks down some barriers so that you can now think outside of the normal box that they might sit in. So that's the my first recommendation. Get out into a creative environment and then think about how you break up the day or how you break up the overall time. There has to be an exchange of information, of course. You're going to have you know, certain people speak, certain education. But what else happens? People get fatigued during sessions like this. Bring in a yoga instructor. You know, Make sure there's always music in the room. You have to think about all of, think about it as an immersive situation and don't leave things undesigned. So that leads me to the next question, which is just thinking back, thinking back over, over experiences that you've had or experiences that you observed in others. What are some of the mistakes that you see 
are commonly made? Uh-huh. Uh, super long lines for things. You've situations where the organizers have grossly underestimated how long it's going to take for people to maybe get a beverage or get through the lunch line, or there aren't enough restrooms. There aren't, I was going to say, there aren't enough power plug it. We see this at trade shows. You're constantly seeing people who they need to, they're taking in the event, they're taking in, so we'll say a trade show, but they also have to get a little bit of work done as well. And so you see people sitting on the floor out in common areas trying to find a plug-in to charge their device. Um, things like that can easily be forgotten. And then I guess with regard to you know staging and sound and lighting, because that's really the core of what we do here at Heroic, it is, it's that staging and, and AV it should be table state to make sure that people can see and hear. If you are within an experience and you're having a hard time seeing and hearing, your AV team isn't at the caliber that you need them to be at. That should be a standard expectation. It's just like walking into my office in the morning and flipping on the light. I know it's going to turn on. It's one of those things that you as a, as a corporate marketer, as an event professional, you should not have to worry about that. Again, that's that hero. Yep. So you've been, yeah, very interesting. Uh, some great nuggets of wisdom in there. You've been doing this for, I think your bio said about 28 years. So you've, you've seen things go well. You've seen things that have gone very badly that you now work to make sure doesn't happen to your clients. If you could give our listeners one piece of advice, just one piece of advice on how to plan an engaging and impactful event, what would that advice be? Start as early as possible. No question. So there's an interesting trend that has happened over many years, and that is that planning window has continued to shrink. There are big, big events, you know, half a million, between a half a million to a million dollar events that we work on that used to start planning well over a year in advance. And that window is is shrinking Sometimes it can't be helped, but oftentimes I think I really think that we can be more proactive next year and make sure that this gets going. It's just it will always it will always produce a better end product the more time we have. And we can probably apply that thinking to pretty much anything in life. <laughs> how did how did COVID impact your business? It almost uh, annihilated our business. Yeah. And it, we're not afraid to say that. And I would guess that any and all of our competitors would say the same thing. Overnight, our business went away. So at the time when COVID happened, I was with another company. I was actually with a company that specialized in trade show. And that same thing, overnight, our, you know, I don't know, $25 million, $30 million business came to a grinding halt. And yet we sit here today, and I think most companies in our industry are able to say the same thing. We sit here to today, a very strong industry, because as soon as it, and it was probably a good two years, as soon as in-person events were back, they were back in a big way. We're finding that, so during, during that transition, when it was locked down and we could not be together, we still had clients who needed to do something. So we piv our pivot was to virtual. We converted a good portion of our warehouse facility here into a virtual studio. And we were very busy through COVID. In a safe way, we were able to have clients come in 
and they were able to do an event that we just streamed virtually. So that's that's interesting to me because I'm wondering now now that people be, you know became accustomed during COVID to doing these virtual events, do you see that segment of your business continuing even after COVID? Just a little bit, and we kind of wondered what would happen. But honestly, as soon as those restrictions were lifted, everybody was so happy to be back together. So like right now, it's super, I closed my door, but it's really quiet here because our crews are out working. We've got a huge crew in Boston right now, and we are pretty well booked for, you know, through fall and into first quarter next year. They're in person. What has stuck though, is that many of these clients will still want to have some component of virtual. So we went all in in virtual because we had to, now that in-person is back, we're looking at that and saying, well, why don't we still have a virtual component for people who can't be with us in person? Because there's bound to be. There may still be people who don't want to travel. And also, if we look at overall budgets, maybe we don't have the budget anymore to fly everybody from our European markets into the event. Great. Then we create a virtual experience for them and we can still include everybody. That's kind of the best of yeah. worlds. Yeah, it does. So you're you're doing you're still doing some of some virtual things then. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's really a whole a completely different segment of of marketing and and creating an experience doing the live event, which obviously is your area of expertise, versus doing a virtual event. That's a completely completely different world. Do you do both of those? Do you have a team who specializes in the virtual aspect of it? How does that work? Our team is well versed in both sides of it. Right. Yes, but you're right. You have to look at them as two completely different experiences. And the, the best analogy that I can use here is that, so let's say I use Starbucks as an example because everybody knows Starbucks, right? So Starbucks has at least three types of customers. They've got the customer who is going to drive to Starbucks, park their car, come in, order coffee and sit down. And they're going to sit there and work or they're going to have a meeting or read a book. You've got the Starbucks customer that's going to drive to Starbucks, they're going to park, they're going to come in, they're going to order their order, and they're going to walk out. And then you've got the person who's going to come through the drive-through. Those three different types of customers all need an experience that's designed specifically for them because they want different things. So that's the same with the in-person attendee and the virtual attendee. You know, it's it can be hard to keep people engaged in this format right here. Real easy for us to sit and do this. Oh yeah, I'm paying attention, but you're reading email, you're on Amazon, you know what? So there's a lot that has to go into what is that interface going to look like? And what will keep me right here tuned into the content rather than seeing what's going on over there? Absolutely. I must confess, I am the worst at getting distracted when I'm in virtual virtual meetings and virtual lectures and virtual webinars. I fully admit that I'm the person who finds herself sending one quick email and checking my Amazon card and, and all of the things. So you're right. It, it's kind of a, a whole different world to make sure that you're actively engaging those people versus the natural engagement you get when you're in a live setting. So very fascinating. Very, very interesting. And, and what a nosedive into that world you had to do when COVID hit. Nosedive is a very good word. <laughs> but we never hit the bottom. That's the key. that's what matters. That's yep. what matters. Yes, yes. And and we love you know kind of. Uh, Stan and I actually had a, a conference last week, and 
Um, we love that the world has kind of opened back to back up. There's we I love a good virtual conference or webinar, uh, but there's something about those in-person experiences be, I, because it's so immersive that I think are just so incredibly powerful. So we're very thankful that you guys are back open and, and doing the things that you're doing and creating those experiences for all of us out there. So thank you for that. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like our listeners to know about? You know, I think the what I, I guess what I would leave this conversation with is just thinking around the topic of marketing in general. And one of the things that we tend to see as comp- as we go through recessions, oftentimes we will see marketing be the first thing that gets cut. And, you know, I in my career now, I've gone through a couple recessions and and have being in marketing and being in sales, I know how I always feel seeing these recessions come and thinking, well, here we go again. Marketing's going to be the first to go. I always want to stress that, in fact, those time periods, recessions, COVID, that's when that's when you need marketing the most. And that's really where you need to, much as I really don't like the term lean in, that, but that is where you really need to focus your efforts and your budget is on marketing. You pull that away and then it's almost like, well, where'd they go? Where'd that company go? As companies started to kind of pull out of trade show marketing, it's like, really, are you going to be a major brand and you're just not going to show up at this really important conference or trade show that where you've always had a presence? So I think just a, a final thought on this is just really thinking about the place that marketing holds, the position that marketing holds today. There's a reason why there is a CMO. There's a reason why we've seen the rise of a new title that's chief design officer. These things are incredibly important in business. And I think that we're seeing we're seeing a rise in respect for marketing, but we've got a little ways to go. Absolutely. Great words of wisdom. Well, thank you for all of our listeners for joining us today. This has been the Legacy Leader Podcast with your hosts, Dan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is the VP of Client Brand Experience at Heroic Productions, Kitty Hart. For more information about Kitty and the work that she does, visit heroicproductions.com. That's heroic-productions.com. And we'll also link that in the show notes for you. Kitty, thank you again so much for joining us. This was wonderful. Thank you both. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.